Welcome to Reliability Matters, a podcast for the electronic assembly industry. Each episode covers topics related to reliability, best practices, and environmentally responsible assembly techniques with insights from experts across the electronic assembly industry. Now, here's your host, Mike Conrad. Welcome back to another episode of the Reliability Matters podcast. I'm Mike Conrad, your podcast host and we are once again in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California at the IPC Apex Expo. We are in the Global SMT booth. Thank you, Trevor Galbraith, for loaning me his comfortable chairs and, and uh, studio, and more importantly, his talented team of professionals, Summer and David, who are pushing the buttons at all the right times to make this look as good as it could possibly look. My guest today is uh, Mark. I did it again, Mark. Goodwin. Goodwin. You're sticking to that story. I am sticking. He's sticking to, he's sticking to that yeah. story. Mark Goodwin, and he's from Ventec. I am. And I apologize. I have cool. too many people in this chair, yeah, too many names. Uh, Mark, um, Ventec is a uh, manufacturer or supplier, manufacturer supplier of laminate materials for the Borect yep. fab industry. Now, we were talking before we came on camera. Uh, I'm in the assembly side of the business. You sell to the fabrication side of yep. the business. One, one stop up the river yep. you know, from uh, our stop. And it's interesting because as assemblers, we know nothing about how these boards are made. We know some, we know they're copper and some kind of fiberglass material. And, yep. and, and that's about the extent of my knowledge, right? Um, we just know that somehow miraculously storks deliver boards that's right. to our receiving yeah. department. And <laughs> anything that goes wrong is probably your fault, right? Oh, it's uh, bad laminate. Everyone thinks Whatever so laminate anyway. is, yeah, right? Yeah. Bad laminate. Yeah. Um, one thing our industries do have in common is uh, we're all fishing out of the same pond where there doesn't seem to be enough fish. And we we'll <laughs> yeah. call that a supply chain issue. Right? Yeah. So in my world, I know what supply chain pains are like. In your world, you know what supply chain pains are like. Let's just talk about the supply chain. And when did it break? <laughs> Why did it break? How do we avoid it breaking? What deals with God have we made to get over it? Which, deal, which deals are we going to break the yep. moment we're past it? Yep. The whole scenario, right? Okay. And then we can play this interview again in 10 years, and it will be just as relevant. Right? <laughs> do it once, do it right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's just get this done, and we'll just change the date. Right? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, the last couple of years, obviously, supply chains have been uh, somewhat disastrous. You know, not, not enough people, restrictions on movement, the crazy things that happen with... Um, everybody being uh, locked down and uh, having time on their hands to buy things online. So filling up containers, moving, uh, you know, shiploads of equipment. And, uh, you know, and those of us wanting to move things in that, uh, well, started having problems, shall we say. Sure. And uh, that, that, in our business, that's uh, whether you manufacture not in the U.S. or even if you manufacture in the U.S., because all the supply chain starts somewhere else. Exactly. Um, there is no real volume glass weaving uh, it takes a village yeah, yeah. to make anything yeah, exactly right. exactly and there's no you know the raw materials for our products aren't here so even if you're here making yeah. our products here your supply chain starts somewhere else right. so the whole concept is bring it back home made in america that or made in europe it doesn't really work because well, nothing's at, all made there it'll work at some level at but, some level but but i don't think it'll work at uh volume level anytime soon but you just need one missing part uh, correct you just need one missing part the auto industry has thousands tens of thousands of cars parked yeah that are waiting for one chip yeah and you know it's it's it might be a hundred dollar chip 
but they can't ship a hundred thousand dollar truck until they get this hundred dollar chip. Yeah, well, I mean, but they've also been selling vehicles, haven't they? And then uh, retrofitting um, yeah. different components later. To, exactly. I guess to keep some cash flow. Give you an IOU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the pandemic obviously gave consumers nothing else to do but buy stuff. All the money that flowed into the into the economy as a result of trying to protect people, particularly in this country, the trillions of dollars that we yep. threw in. We just gave business, please take money, please take money. <laughs> uh, people had nothing to do and extra income coming in. So yeah. they, they bought stuff, yeah. which created a demand. Yeah. At the same time, the factories were shutting down, yeah. unable to fill the demand. Yeah. And, and then probably through good intentions, but not well executed, I think pretty much every country thought the best thing to do would be to shut their economies down yeah. temporarily, mm. three weeks. That, could, that went well, didn't it? That went well. Yeah. <laughs> like dog weeks or whatever. Yeah. So, but, um, and I think what, if if we learn anything, what we learn from history is we don't learn from history. But if, if we did take yeah. something away, it's if we ever make a decision again to shut down a global economy, I don't think we've ever in the history of industry from the time we were like chiseling rocks to make them look yeah. like wheels, right? Um I don't think we've ever shut down the entire world's economy. We've had localized shutdowns, Fukushima, yeah, yeah, terrorist yeah, yeah. attacks, earthquakes, natural disasters, shut small regions of the yeah. world down. And we feel that. It creates a ripple. But this was a whole world getting shut down. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, whew, we're past it. Let's turn it back on. There has not been an experience of how to restart. And there's a whole raft of unintended consequences from that. And we're all experiencing them now and still experiencing. Exactly. I, I view it analogous to you have 10 people standing in a circle. Each one makes something. And I say, okay, I'm going to turn on my factory now. So, Mark, I need your widget. You go, great. Yeah. Stan, I need your widget. Beth, yeah. I need your And no one can make their widget until someone else makes their widget. And And... I think and even if they can, no one can ship the widget because all the containers, all the containers are full, or or all stacked up in one part of the world. Yeah, coming back. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just a cluster of. Um, yeah, don't go, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. You know what I mean? It was I just this cluster <laughs> of unfortunate events, all well intended. Yeah, that had unintended consequences, and and. I've heard all the, you know, if you drink too much when I was young, you drink too much, you make deals with God. Yeah. I promise I'll never do, do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Until the hangover wears off and then you're back to Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard a lot of the God deals I've heard uh, are reshoring. We're going to reshore. Yeah. And and we're never going to let this happen again. I, I, I think, so. again, I think some of it will happen, but I don't think it will happen at the scale people think it will happen. To prevent this from ever Yeah, happening. but the problem yeah. is, the further you go down the supply chain, the uh, uh, the economics uh, scale of manufacturing changes. So, I mean, you know, a copper foil guy needs uh, a factory bigger than a laminate guy. A glass right. weaver needs uh, a bigger factory still. A, a sure. glass yarn producer needs bigger still. Yeah. So you think all that's coming back. Yeah. I think that's a big ask. I mean, you know, okay. maybe it happens. Maybe it does. I don't know. But it won't. Ha I won't see it. No. Nor will I. Um, but, you know, there's other other consequences. So largely, you know, uh, people have stopped buying things now. They're back at work. And uh, right. increasingly, they're not working from home because guys are saying, if you're not in the office at least Tuesday to Thursday, right. you might not have a job. So You actually have to show up now. No, you actually have to show up. And that's a unique concept for work, isn't it? But anyway, yeah, okay. yes. Um, um, but you think uh, then all the logistics have gone away, but uh, logistical problems have gone away. One thing's for sure. The price has come down. But 
there are still logistical problems because people are cancelling um, um, whole shipping routes now because they can't fill the capacity. Right. And uh, it uh, was worrying me is that <laughs> if people think, okay, we're through it, we've figured it out and we fixed it. I don't think we fixed it. I think the stress of the supply chain and the economic cycle that we're in is just lowering the demand for the product. Well, that's a really that seems a, like it's that's a really good call because on, on my, one of my bugbears is right, copper foil is uh, copper foil is going to be in short supply and it will continue to be in short supply just because everything's okay right now. Right, doesn't mean everything's okay right, right now. Just don't need it and yeah. it'll be fine. So, right? battery demand, thin copper foils, um, very thin copper foils. Far faster to make than the copper foils. And Elon's going to get in line before it, before you. Yeah, right. it could be, could be, could happen that way. Uh, lower, uh, uh, lower requirements for the manufacturing. No treatment on the back. Easier to manufacture, faster to manufacture. Good prices paid. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to figure that out. But one thing's for sure: we've got a lot of drivers towards um, heavy coppers right now through decarbonisation, green technologies, a lot of power, a lot of volts being, uh, a lot of amps being moved around. Heavy copper foils. Now, heavy copper, I can tell you, right, okay, there's there's three elements to this. There's the LME copper price, which, by the way, in the last month has gone up by over $1,000 uh, a tonne, okay? What percentage does that represent? Uh, 10, 12, oh, 13. Sizable. Uh, uh, double digits. Percentage. Yeah, it's double digits. And, you know, the high uh, the, the high was, what, 10-something last uh, year, 18 months ago. We're heading there again, for sure, in my in my opinion. Um so you've got, that's one element, energy costs. Uh, um, at least 50% of the cost of producing copper foil is energy. Yeah. Okay. And then for heavy copper foils, you've got to, what premium have I got to pay a guy to make, uh, to turn his production uh, to heavy copper when he can get out um, X, X number of uh, square meters of uh, a thinner copper from the same production. Right. Um, you saw up all the money. So right. people say to me, can we link the price to the market? Well, I can link the first two to the market. The third comes down to my relationships uh, with my supply chain, and um, uh, or not, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, or lack thereof, uh, right. and and you know, and people's commercial interest, and their you know their commercial interest, however good my relationship is, their commercial interest is going to interest them. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, so th this is not over. Um, there are a lot of pressures still there. I think another contributing factor to the softening of the supply chain crisis is is not the fact that it was fixed. It was companies like us, we're a small, you know, relatively small company. We're a manufacturer of equipment. Um, and we went from a just-in-time purchasing mentality yeah. to a just-in-case purchasing mentality. <laughs> yeah. Right? And our buyers, we were so blessed. You end up, and you end up, by the way, with uh, fish stock control. First in, still here. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're, an, we're an aquarium now. Yeah. We have nothing but fish, right? Yeah. And... We were very fortunate, very blessed that we were in a good cash position. Yeah. We instructed our buyers, look, look for it. If you find someone, buy a year's worth if yeah. they have a year's worth. Yeah. Because we know it's 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 a form of cash. We're yeah. just moving it from the liquid account to the shelf. Absolutely. And as long as it doesn't go bad, you know, it's it doesn't have a sell-by date, we, we're going to use it. It's just we'll spend it later. So we are part of the supply chain problem of because course. we have a couple million dollars in inventory, our yeah. little company. Yeah. A couple million dollars in inventory normally. When you're lucky, it's the right things. If it's the wrong things, it's even worse. Then it's really bad. But it's it's the right stuff. But it's so we're putting 300, 400 percent more effort into purchasing, which is crazy. 
but we are finding parts and we are able to score um, enough to last way more than we would ever purchase sure. one time on a normal world. So companies and horribly, it's horribly inefficient though, isn't it? Horribly inefficient. Oh, so we had to reorganize our factory. We had to build mezzanines just yeah. to store more inventory. You have to yeah. count it. You have to manage it. You have to move it. Yep. You have to find it. You have to not damage it when yeah. you're doing those things. You have to pay tax on it. Yeah, you have to pay tax on it. Yeah, if it's just sitting in cash in a bank, it's it's. It, but anyway, it's that's the whole that's the accountant's yeah. job to f figure that out. But um, I know we're not the only company that's doing that, and um, and as companies like us realize, okay, we don't need to really buy anything big for the next year. Yeah, it's going to start burning off our inventory. Because now well, we feel like we don't need yeah, another. Issue. That's going to create financial pressure all the way uh, back up the supply chain. And that's what happens. It's yeah, like exactly. playing racquetball. We're throwing a ball against yeah. the wall, and it's coming back at us yeah. at almost the same velocity. Yeah. Very little loss. And and we're going to whack it back, and it's just going to keep going back and forth <laughs> yeah. until it eventually runs out of steam. Yeah. But um, And I know if we're just one company out of millions of companies, but I know that millions of companies at least think the way we do because you're in survival mode. So as these millions of companies say, okay, we don't, we're so stocked up now, crisis is over, and now the good news is we can, we can tell our purchasing people to go on a holiday for six months. We yeah. don't need to buy anything. That's going to have that effect. Yeah. And, and it's, it gives us a false sense of security. A bit of a problem in the laminate business, at least with one part of the business, which is prepreg, which has a shelf life. Yeah. That is tricky. Yeah. And yeah, and there are certain parts of the business where Detroit wishes they could buy a $10 billion worth of chips and just yeah. stick them on a shelf. Uh, but even those chips, they don't technically have a shelf life, but they have a useful life. They yeah. have an obsolescence issue. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just interesting. And I think, you know, on the chip thing's interesting as well. Okay, so people are build big factories here, and there's a lot of design knowledge for chips uh, in the U.S. Right. But is there really the manufacturing culture and experience of chips here now? And that doesn't come quickly it doesn't come in 12 months you can't you can't build a foundry for several million dollars in six months it's a multi-year process yeah but the, billions of dollars and then bringing the people on stream educating the people exactly. and the culture within there and so, from my understanding i'm not an expert on the chip business but me neither but uh, but we are building a foundry somewhere in the united states i want to say texas but it could be wrong but it's not owned by an american company it's a taiwanese company yeah, building here yeah. and it's like Taiwan's well that's nice at yeah. least our people are working yeah the money's not staying here. It's, it's yeah. going back to whatever country yeah. made the investment as it should. Yeah. Um, but we're still not building here. And I think things like rare earth minerals, yeah. which are important to pretty much all yeah. electronics on the planet, yeah. both defensive electronics and consumer electronics, none of those are mined here. We shut down the mines yeah. because other people will do it yeah. cheaper. And now those other people that are doing it are not necessarily and we've still got yeah okay so now we're talking about supply chain security aren't we and you know uh, but we want supply chain security yeah for sure but not if it costs any more than the supply chain we've already got thank you very much yes we are we stand by our principles as much as our bank account will allow us to exactly right? and that's just kind of human nature yeah it is yeah it's the it's at, uh, Eve is still handing out apples and we're there's other, there's other things as well you want to bring some of these processes back you know I mean, I'm thinking in our business uh uh, treaters for uh, putting uh, resins onto uh, glass fabric for making prepregs for making laminates. I'm not so sure you get the environmental permits you need uh, to uh, to build a treater here now. Right. Okay. Certainly, I don't think you would in California. Uh, you may in some other places, but uh, I don't think you would. So you've got on the one hand, you've got this political will to bring the supply chain back. On the other hand, you've got another political agenda driving in a different direction. Completely different. I don't. I don't know how that it's, gets squared. It's tug of war. Yeah. And and usually, the side to build doesn't win. 
yeah. people are stronger on the other side because they yeah. have all these people pulling. Yeah. You yeah. have one group pulling for, for, for production and you've got 20 yeah. groups pulling yeah. environmental and all these other Absolutely. things. Absolutely. We are completely out of time. Cool. So yeah, it's fun. It's been great, Mark. Cheers. Thanks for joining me. And to my to my audience, um, be sure and click, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, be sure and click the subscribe button so you will be notified when a new episode comes. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, the Reliability Matters YouTube channel, click the subscribe button and the bell icon to be notified when new episodes are released. If you're watching this live, thanks for watching. If you're watching this uh, later uh, on the Reliability Matters channel, I'll see you again in two weeks. So once again, thanks for watching. Thanks to my friend Trevor and Summer and David for doing what they do. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the Reliability Matters podcast. Join us on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for new episodes of Reliability Matters.